1: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself And for those facing homelessness Because one purchased equals
0: one donated Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes Bombus. big comfort for everyone Go to bombas.com slash ACAST And use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase A funny taste in music with Andrew Bird
2: Hello, welcome to a funny taste in music um it's a good one this week it's steve hall steve hall is the first sort of official fan of the well i'm hoping he's not the only one but he's the he's the first other comedian who said to me oh i'd like to do that he listens to the podcast a lot so he's on he's prepared he's wanted to come on this he's not been cornered and forced and guilted into it this is his own choice steve hall he is sometimes you'll hear him as a guest co-host on the frank skinner show um and uh, my dream job and he uh, also writer long-term writer on the russell howard hour so there's loads of writing on that some of the darker more unpleasant stuff on the russell howard hour next time you hear that steve hall that um so his spotify playlist will go along with this um there's tales of him meeting james dean bradfield who saw that coming? and it's it's oh it's a good one so uh please donate to the patreon page because i do not have any gigs um there's gonna be some adverts now listen to them at your leisure uh here he comes a funny
0: taste in music the interview next
2: you're a fan of the show yeah 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 i've never had a fan of the show on i don't want you to feel overwhelmed like like you know you meet this is you on parkinson
1: no it's it's exactly what i've been doing we bought (laughs) because we both put the wife and i we put on so much weight in lockdown we bought an exercise bike so i'll I'll whack a pod on uh and uh and try and shed off the the lockdown weight gain
2: oh i didn't know oh i didn't think of that i've not i don't I I don't really listen to podcasts while running or something. I don't think I... No, I haven't much. Um, uh, More car journey and cleaning and cooking podcasts for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good to know that people might be doing that. Every now and again then, during this podcast, I'll just go, come on, put it in. You're nearly there. Think how good you'll feel after. Think how good you'll feel after a shower and a salad. You're going to feel good. (laughs) So, yeah, you're the first fan of the podcast... That's come on. Yeah. So you've been exercising great, while of, listening.
1: Listen- As I listen to it, I, there's, there'll be like, because these days, because everyone's iTunes is so sprawling these days. Yeah, there might be a thing that you suddenly realise oh, I haven't listened to that in six years. And there's a ah. few. There's a few like that. Like when Rich Wilson was talking about the the. Yeah. And I, I had a real moment going. Oh fuck! I, yeah, like, and it was a real like. Oh, it was like seeing it was being reintroduced to an old friend.
2: Oh, this this is just lit exactly some of the things i hoped for
1: yeah things like that well there was a lovely thing because i'd forgotten with the, the i don't know if you know i don't know how familiar you are not
2: with really it. no I've, i listened to a couple because
1: of, because of rich wilson as well yeah 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 there's a song on on um, what's it called soul mining uh, uh, called Un- uncertain smile oh, yeah. i don't know if you've heard that song but that's no. that's one it's a treat that awaits because it's there's, it's about seven minutes long. There's a piano solo from Jules Holland uh, oh. in it. That, that it's one of the, that. It, it's it's about two minutes long, and it just keeps like just as you think it can't get any more brilliant, it gets a bit more brilliant. Oh, I love that, yeah. and it's a real mind blower. And then there was a thing on Twitter um, of like this teenage girl. She'd videoed herself, and she nailed the piano solo for the first time. Right. Yeah and uh, i think in fact i think it might be Pete perfidi's daughter he's like the brilliant music writer um and as she knows it you just it's, it's like you're seeing your team score in the cup final that as as she she nails the whole thing and you are punching the air with joy for for her at the end oh,
2: well we've got to put the link to that on on the uh, yeah 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 for this because that's uh, uh, that's the kind, i love those kind of things there's enough of that on facebook people um i like seeing freakishly good kid drummers
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> nothing
2: yeah, makes me more happy yeah, than yeah, that yeah. a four-year-old drumming like dave Grohl. what yeah. my treat that
1: is and then they'll use and dave Grohl is always really nice to them as well and says something really inspirational
3: yeah
2: yeah oh i listened to um him recently on uh conan o'brien's podcast cracking podcast that's one for an exercise Conan O'Brien once yeah. uh, uh, was it once a friend, want yes, a something like that. That's
1: produced by our uh, British man and lovely human being Colin Anderson. Oh, really? It's BBC. I, I sit on the few occasions I go to LA. I don't want to make it sound like I go to LA a lot, <laughs> yeah. but um, we always catch up with Colin and, and his wife Mary. Yeah, and he's he's gone of all the co- of anyone involved in comedy, he's he's probably done the best of anyone I know because he produces that show
2: yeah he um yeah that is uh he had a chat with dave Grohl. on that it's a brilliant one and uh it's funny listen dave Grohl, it's funny listening to him he played with paul mccartney um uh, i can't remember a tv show an award show so he sat in with paul mccartney and they did the sound check and he tells this brilliant story about so they sort of whizzed through the song they were going to do and um i can't remember i saw her standing there so they whizzed through that and Paul's like, everyone got it? Yes, uh, we're all, all all right with that? And Dave went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we can we, can we play back in the USSR real quick? He's like, <laughs> y- yeah, yeah, all right. Then they played another one and he went, can we can we just play Live and Let Die quickly? Paul's <laughs> like, right, we're not playing that on the show. He's like, yeah, yeah, just just, could we... And it got to the point where Paul was like, are you, are you done, Dave? Is there any others? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dave, love to think of Dave Grohl as a... Well, that doesn't leave you, does it, being a massive music fan, even like... I love hearing of musicians that then become like their children's self again when they they meet their heroes, their music heroes. Yeah, Paul McCartney must get that all the time. He must see massively successful musicians
1: just crumble in front of him. Ah, Paul. <laughs> yeah, there was there was we saw him. Um, there's an old folk lady called Shirley Collins, who is she's like in her eighties now, and she's still making music, and she's she's. Her back, she she got stage fright and didn't sing for thirty two years, but she so wow. she's got stuff from the sixties that's incredible, and now she's been putting out stuff again. It's all amazing. I saw a a gig in London, and me and my my, my mate sort of tapped me on the shoulder and went, "That's Robert Plant over the, in the audience." Really? Uh, well, where was it, where was it in London? It was Cecil Sharp House, which is um, it's a, it's a famed it's a, like traditionally it's a folk music. Venue, it's like it's like the headquarters of like the English Folk and Dance Society.
2: I've never I so heard it's it's, that, it's just
1: it's in Camden.
2: Is it quite small?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not big. So then Robert Plant's just there in the yeah, audience. he's just there as but in an act of of adoration of of right. how great she was, and it was this really weird thing going like fucking hell, it's that's Robert Plant, and he has come to pay his respect, and he looked really oh, happy and excited to be there.
2: Yeah, like a proper fan. Hang on, I've got a joke. He was a plant in the audience. No, nice. right, let's move on. Very, very nice. Thank, thank you, thanks. <laughs> it's not often I have a joke on this, but that one felt right. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah, I love seeing that. I love seeing it. I saw that with... Um, I saw Travis, and then at the end, we're walking out, and Manny from the Stone Roses was there.
1: Oh, fantastic. Honestly, yeah.
2: tra- and he just looked, and he was talking to fans, we're going, all right, Manny, and he was just chatting to everyone, going, oh, that was good, wasn't it? I blah, blah, blah. And he was chatting like, he was just one of the audience. And we people were talking to him, going, "Yeah, but yeah, but your money. Don't worry about. Yeah, yeah. Why does it always rain on me? You don't forget um, your money. Never you forget ever, your money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have you ever done a gig knowing that there's like a famous musician in the audience?
2: Um, no, I've often thought of that. Now, no, Let me think, just in case I forgot. Uh, and there was. I don't think so. No, but I've often thought of that. What? Because I've had mates who've gone... I did a gig last night and uh, Noel Gallagher was there because Russell Brand was trying new stuff. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've often thought, what would I do if I found out Noel Gallagher was in the audience? I'd suddenly go through my brain of, have I got any stories that has a proper bit of material that's in any way related (laughs) to anything Oasis that I could crowbar in? But no, I don't think I have have a view.
1: He's not famous, so this is not up there with Noel Gallagher. I was doing a gig once... And um, John Moore. So there's a band called Black Box Recorder, who I really loved. Um, They had a couple of hits in sort of the year 2000. Right. Um, And uh, they had a very... Their singer, Sarah Nixie, she's very cut glass English vocals.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, And it's incredibly sort of dark humour to it. Um, so the, the chorus of their first single was her singing, life is unfair, kill yourself or get over it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that, it's that level of humor. It's like Morrissey. And he, he was in the crowd and he'd, he'd been in music for a long time. Like he'd been, he'd briefly been a member of the Jesus and Mary chain. And he was also, he was the first person in the UK to import absinthe. So, sorry that, wow, that's I mean
2: that's that's your Wikipedia page, so yeah, isn't yeah. it?
1: Wow, what a what a bio that is. And he's and he's really he's great, and he's a very good writer. And he's uh, and I I realised it was him in the audience, right? But of course, it's too obscure, so I sort of went. That's, yeah, a, <laughs> actually, such yeah. a weird question. Are you you John can't go. More? Yeah, you can't uh, go. Oh, hello, everyone. Yeah. Hey. And and it, but it is that thing where all professionalism disappeared, uh, and he's and he was absolutely lovely. Uh, and because his name sounds a bit like jan moyer someone in the crowd had thought i'd said jan moyer the uh, uh the offensive daily mail columnist
2: oh so they pretty so, obscure so, so as we well
1: episodes, he wasn't jan moyer he was john moore oh yeah
2: uh, and yeah, it yeah. turned
1: out he was on a date uh and so oh. at the end of the gig he like thanked me because he was like going you've made my date go go well because the, my my date is now impressed that i'm uh, that that, someone uh recognize just
2: generally me. recognized bang yeah yeah, yeah, that did, that that—that's like the kind of thing you'd uh, set up to sort <laughs> out a first date, isn't it? Could you ask one of the comedians to pretend to recognise me, please? Yeah, yeah. It would just really well, help me out.
1: It always—it really sums up the the how low on the pecking order comics are. Because if there is a footballer, there, I was doing a gig once, and Niall Quinn was in the pub, and nobody gave a shit about the comedy. Everyone just wanted to go up and buy Niall Quinn a pint.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've done a gig where I did a gig in uh Singapore ages ago. And uh Ian Rush was, was in
0: the fantastic. audience because he
2: does a lot of work, doesn't he, in Singapore on that on the channel. Can't no, remember I what called, yeah, yeah, sports yeah. channel that's based there. And we were told, don't mention Ian Rush. So like <laughs> he was bang in the middle. Like very just looking well Ian Rush. Yeah. Just really right in the middle. <laughs> and uh um, yeah, and you could feel people glancing. There was,
1: was not a lot of focus. Have you ever supported a band at a gig? No. That sounds I, I've horrific. i two experiences. I had one horrific experience where somewhere in Winchester, I was the opening act for an ACDC tribute act, and they were called ABCD. <laughs> wow. And I started the gig to a completely empty room they they said like they just you're going to get everyone in so they're all going to be in the bar well oh, that's the so best
2: they'll hear something's happening and they'll come in that's a good way to start yeah. a gig isn't it
1: uh, and it was so everything about it, it was like because it was musicians they they'd wrapped the microphone lead around the stand <laughs> yeah. so that when you take it out you had to you had to unravel it in the least and um, but they'd also said under no circumstances are you allowed to swear all right um, An ACDC and yeah because those acdc band. fans they're famously yeah, yeah, reserved
2: very conservative people
1: and um it was so it was it was to silence like it was it, 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 to it, echo i, I imagine was, yeah yeah because there was nobody there and then i thought i basically sort of went look obviously this this is this has been a fairly spectacular dine on my ass here ladies and gentlemen but let's try and create a bit of atmosphere You're about to see a fantastic band let's let's so what i want you to do is i want you to heckle me off like i really like let's let's <laughs> let's make this rather than this all being all middle class let's make this rock and roll comedy ain't noise pollution let's let's turn this into a full uh and they were so middle class they wouldn't even do that and there was just one voice shouted out i think you've been booked under inadvisable circumstances
2: he <laughs> sure was that wasn't your inner thoughts. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Where well, you got the biggest laugh well he deserved it to be fair. and then the fuck has never paid me as well. What? It was it was sufficiently bad that the venue never paid me. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Like, so, um, how long ago was that? This was, I mean, this was twelve or thirteen years. This is no, no, it's longer. That's like fifteen years ago. Was that? You didn't have? Did you have an agent then? Yeah, and they, um, yeah, they were unable to uh, because they were alleging that I'd swore, or, and I was like, going, "Well, I didn't swear. I got the audience to swear." Yeah. Yeah. Which just. Was, you know, yeah. Wow. And, and then they had I... a more all- enjoyable one. Just, just in the one of the brief lockdown lifts, Russell yeah, Howard that... was doing some gigs in Cl- at the Clapham Grand.
2: Yeah, and I, I would heard I would
1: MC of... a few of them, and there would be a support act and then him. Yeah. Um. For for one of the nights, he said, "Look, you're going to have to tell the audience. Normally, they don't care who the support act is, but tonight the support act is James Bay, mm. uh, who is he, he's you know they play football together." So, yeah. so we sort of, it was, and again, you make you realise how little people care about comedy. So I'd set up the night, and I thought I, I better do it halfway through because I, I need, the, I need to tell them and let them let them ingest the information. Yeah, um, so I'd much. said, look, I'd explain what the gig was. I said, but tonight we don't have a comic. Um, we've got an up and coming musician. Uh, give him a chance. Bit of he's, fun. Uh, he's pretty new. He's pretty nervous. His name's his name's James Bay, and the place. You know, even with social distancing, the place went insane. Yeah, um, and I thought I've done a really good. And I brought him on, and I thought I've done a really, really good. Like you know, when you when you 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 feel like you've acquitted yourself well. Yeah, you've... Uh, and you've and you've owned your own irrelevance in proceedings. But and the you've audience love and real then team I, I come on and they say, yeah. Uh, the the tour manager, the uh, the stage manager says, you forgot to tell them not to sing along. And it was one of the few things I've been told not to do is because of the coronavirus rules, oh. they're not allowed to sing because that involves opening their mouth. So having done this yeah. really good set up, I, I had to come out as James, as the, you know, he's, he's drinking in the adulation from from this guy. And it's the first gig he'd done in about a year and a bit. And I'd say, I'm really sorry. I forgot to say you're not allowed to sing along, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> were they all in
2: masks in the audience yeah i think they were i've done that i've done yeah i've done the warm-up for stuff where i've told not to get them to do cheering practice Mm. because of the shouting and the the you know um molecules of saliva in the air and stuff so you forgot to the that was your main thing to tell them not to sing along and you had to come out and
1: uh yes yeah, yeah. so i completely ruined all the momentum that the gig had had i'd i'd, I'd created happiness but had also spread germs
2: and then you had, to, you had to come on and do just a quick bit of health and safety admin yeah to completely yeah. undercut it all yeah but then i he pulled it around i imagine,
1: didn't he oh he he absolutely stormed it Because yeah. you know when you're like trying you know in those situations where you have gags that appear in your head and you're like don't say that because because it's so corny and it'd be the demon is going go and say it. so so what uh when I was saying, you know, you're not allowed to sing along because you might, you might, uh, you might, you know, saliva might spread. What yeah. I wanted to say was, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you could hold back the river, <laughs> I think you can uh, be but forgiven for that. I didn't say. That. It. I thought, I thought, you know, there's a five percent <laughs> chance that they would like that, and there's a ninety-five percent chance that they'll go. You need to leave this building now. <laughs> yeah, it's a final. I remember that was on the interview. Yeah,
2: uh, Russell said that yes, yeah their yeah. mates he hadn't done a gig in ages and he was you know he told some pretty a-list stories before that big gigs he'd been doing before lockdown and before he took a break and then he'd come back and that was uh that was the first gig he'd done in about a year and a bit yeah, yeah. Oh, i didn't know i didn't know you'd introduced him though i saw um um he's good James Bay i like him i saw him on uh radio i think it's radio two fern cotton is that radio
1: two yeah, yeah,
2: I think so. Yeah, yeah Fern, uh, so it was Fern Cotton anyway. And um, and he was going to do Don't Look Back in Anger, a cover of Don't Look Back oh, in fantastic. Anger. Right? But he didn't realise the guest who wasn't singing was just a guest being interviewed that morning was Noel Gallagher. Oh, brilliant. So he'd had it all prepared in advance and he got there and then Noel Gallagher's, Gallagher's being interviewed and he's doing it after him. So he's got to play <laughs> Don't Look Back in Anger in front of Noel Gallagher. And he's like younger than he's younger than me, I think. James Bay, yeah, I'm he's sure like thirty, I think. All right. So, I mean, we've done gigs where you've had stand up staring at you. I mean, that that's hard enough. But yeah, yeah, playing that, and it's on. It's on. You can get it on YouTube as well, the video of it. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. Noel Gallagher said at the end, he goes, "That's the first time that song's been played where there haven't been loads of men with their tops off." Yeah, so oh, that's a nice. That's
1: a kind. That's a kind thing to say. Yeah
2: yeah yeah um but um yeah i was gonna say that you were about playing that in front of Noel gallagher you were about doing trying to do jokes in front of comedians you have to do that sometimes because you uh just to clear up in case anyone's gone i know this voice yeah. you've been a guest co-host is that it guest co-host yeah 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 guest co-host on the frank skinner show yes on absolute you know what a fan I am of that that's my driving home from a gig Saturday night podcast
1: yeah it, yeah well it, that and that was because I'd i been a fan of the show before I was asked before I ever got involved I I listened to it a lot as well
2: yeah and uh uh that I mean trying to trying to crack a joke in a very short link with Frank Skinner a foot away yeah, from yeah. you
1: <laughs> and to, the way i got involved i the first shows i tended to do were when he wasn't there and they and they either emily or alan would host it yeah they, then um and so i'd had this thing where i because it had gone well a few times um doing that you then have the thing of not only are you doing it with it to my mind you know one of the greatest ever stand-ups yeah. but also you're you you've arrived with a bit of a reputation because people are going oh yeah steve's always really funny and you're oh. like oh christ that's I don't need that on top of the pressure I'm already oh, feeling I didn't know that yeah yeah but he's, I, um... he's it's one of my favorite like he's cuz he's so funny but he's also so interesting and cuz he's so into music and and arts and culture you, you just you come away from a chat with him with about 10 things you want to look up or, or right. places you want to visit
2: yeah. Yeah, I um I get I like it turned it's turned into a bit of a joke when he was on tour that all the um castles he'd be visiting a museum yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. he does between gigs. But uh he's got yeah, he's 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 had a real journey of a human being. He went from being the proper the proper um you know, poster boy of lad culture football, drink, women to presenting, you know, poetry yeah, yeah. podcasts and uh and Landscape Challenge, uh, you know, painting and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, it's his uh, his choice of words. I've told you this. I think about this probably once a month it pops in my head. It's his choice of words where uh, there was, they said, the producer of the show, their dad, had texted in about one of the topics they were talking about. They said, oh, my God, the producer of the show's dad has texted the show. (laughs) <laughs> and Frank Skinner went, imagine if that's the only way you can get in touch with her at the moment. What's the text say? The cat's been obliterated. <laughs> it was the word obliterated. Yeah, I mean, if he said fantastic. the cat's dead, that would have been funny. But the cat's been obliterated.
1: That's, but, cool. um, that's fantastic. But I he, remember once on the show, Alan Cochran was talking about how his name is spelled. We are talking about people misspelling names. yeah. And it was the fact that his name, that Alan is spelled A L U N. Yes. Um and then Alan went, It's the Welsh way of spelling Alan. Um it's it's spelt with a U. And Frank just instantly went, Well, the Welsh love a U. <laughs> and and Alan was saying to me he's lived he'd lived with that name for for you know, thirty odd years and that joke had never occurred to him. Yeah. And Frank gets it in a second.
2: Yeah, what was that? Two point four seconds. Yeah. He thought of that. Yeah, but he did that um, I've read his autobiography and his obsession with Elvis. So yeah, he's yeah. obsessed with music. And, um, and yeah, quite often, uh, The I like on the radio as well, he shows his absolute disgust for bands that you're not really supposed yeah. to do on radio, but he doesn't like yeah, the police. It
1: always, always really makes me laugh the way the producer, for the podcast, they have to edit out. When he says something withering, yeah. there's one I remember. They, they For some reason, Dodgy get played a lot on Absolute. Uh, oh, and yeah, um, good uh, enough and for me is, yeah, is that that's, uh, yeah and he, he, it was that exact song they played he went that was dodgy with good enough ironically <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah but um, he's allowed he i think
1: he's allowed a unique number of his own choices you know like some djs if you're of a certain stature you're allowed yeah. your own pick but it can yeah. be one a show which i think he gets four or five so wow. it used to be, the fall would be the first song he played every week. Yeah, I like that.
2: Um, yeah, uh, thing he died didn't he at the fall not long yeah, ago? Marky Smith, yeah, Marky Smith, and he was um, at the start of the show. He mentioned it, and he oh, he sounded oh, there, on the edge. A bit, that really got emotional. Me,
1: The way his voice catches. Yeah, his voice sort started, of gave
2: yeah. a bit. You could tell he was emotional.
1: I love that. I love it
2: when people like music that much. But um, so, do you uh, have you dared...
1: To sort of express any of your music loves to Frank. Yeah, uh, on the on air we talked a bit about because you because you talk a bit about you you offer up a couple of things you've done in your week. Yeah, uh, and because I I go to quite a, or in normal times I go to gigs quite a lot. You still so do? Was, um, yeah, yeah. I try. Like not now, mate. You're yeah, in Oxford. Not exactly. The world has changed. And but, and um, you're in Oxford. You can't
2: just nip to a gig now. Well, there's some good music venues. The the Jericho yes
1: yeah uh, pub not far from you yeah that's very a near good us. music venue and then the what is now because i i lived here 25 years ago as well so so there are venues so what it used to be the zodiac when i was a kid it's now the 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 o2 academy
2: oh yeah on cowley road yeah yeah oh that is that look that's like a little camden isn't it cowley road yeah, yeah. in oxford there's a few lit there's a little there's a pretentious record shop that's a Calf record shop yeah that I like to go in and just go... Yeah, the tr- uh, is it the truck? Is that yeah. It is? yeah. Have a look in there
1: and then go again. Yeah. Because um, Oxford used to be... Well, it, it has traditionally produced a lot of really good bands. Yeah. Uh, and there's a fantastic documentary called... I think it's called Anyone Can Play Guitar, named after the Radiohead song. Um, there's a lovely bloke called John Spira who made this documentary. And he just chats to as many of the Oxford b- bands as he can... Again, it's a little flavour of, of how great and creative and exciting it was.
2: Oh, where can you see that?
1: Um, it's probably viewable through a streaming platform. I think I, I think I backed it on Kickstarter, which is how I found out about it. I will stream away.
2: Um yeah, there is a good so yeah, I say that.
1: There are there
2: are, but what sort of stuff would you see in Because I mean well, So
1: so that was so, so on on I think the things I talked about on, on Absolute were yeah. And I know Matt Ford talked about it as well. That me and Fordy had both been to the the Noel Gap, the High Flying Birds gig at the Albert Hall, where where Noel played with Damon and Graham.
2: So you went with him to the Royal Albert Hall for the fact, even though it's a massive cavernous, it's somehow still amazing. Yeah, it's still isn't a great it, gig. For yeah. gigs.
1: And um, and it was it was a bit frustrating because we I'd hoped that they would do more than just one song. They did, you know, so they did tender and Weller played drums as well which which sort of made it I love that yeah. as a little extra touch um but that was the only song they did together yeah
2: how uh, long ago was that was that the first time they played together
1: yeah this was yeah so this would be five or six years ago i reckon
2: yeah where they they made up and um what what do you think uh what was it Noel gallagher's
1: high flying birds was the gig yeah, yeah, and then it was the support act was Damon and Graham Coxon playing uh, a set, but that turned out to it was one of their experimental sets. So they did they did a cover version of a Kevin Ayers song because oh, hey. Kevin Ayers had passed away, and there's a, there's a lot of suggestions that Kevin Ayers, brilliant singer from the seventies, might be Damon Albarn's biological dad because <laughs> right. um, they this is it, i think they come from I think the parents were, you know, fairly they were into free love. And if you look at pictures of, of Kevin Ayers as a young man, it's pretty striking how much he looks like Damon. Really? Uh, so they did they did a song by him because he'd passed away, but then they brought out a um an old poet called something like Michael Horowitz, who was like singing about war and bombs and guns, um while Damon and Graham noodled in the background. That was mentioned this on air at air to, the Royal Albert Hall. That's Royal like Albert doing Hall. new material. So lots of people at went for a pint and then at the, uh, then after that they played Tender to, to sort of recover it. Yeah, I remember I mentioned this on air to Frank and Frank because I, I, Frank knows every you know he's got he's he knows all of life. So I mentioned Michael Horowitz and he said that I think a friend of his once bought a, a painting from Michael Horowitz and it was quite big. And so he, she was trying to work out how she was going to get it back home. She was on her bike, so this boy, he gaffer taped the painting to her back. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an anecdote for everything. Yeah, yeah. But I remember I, one of the things I loved about that gig was because people because it was Oasis fans because it's because it's Noel. Yeah. Um, I just got. I remember just getting a, a pint of a warm liquid just just absolutely blasting me in the back of the head and i remember thinking like it's obviously piss there's a small chance that's going to be beer but i'm gonna have to wait for the smell (laughs) to find out what it actually is and so it was like four hours like yeah yeah that's definitely piss Uh, (laughs) i've never thought of that it's like uh like developing a photo on the yeah. back of your head. Yeah. You yeah. Gotta... <laughs> but it's also I just love the disrespect of, of just pissing in a pint glass in the Royal the Albert Hall.
2: Royal Hall. Al- Al- I was thinking that, yeah. Alright, mate, that's that's all V Festival Chelmsford, fair enough. Not the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, yeah. You don't do that. <laughs> this was this was one of the reasons he had to pay such a high insurance fee when he did, <laughs> when he signed the contracts. Because they knew that rabble would be yeah. there. Yeah. But um I've, I only saw the High Flying Birds once. I kept cause it was when he was on tour and Liam and all that it was when it was at the height of for me just the all the having kids and buying a house and all the yeah all yeah, the yeah. direct debits had just started I'm cu- just right, coming yeah, out yeah. the other end of some of them now there's a chance I could see a gig but <laughs> it was unthinkable for a long while of seeing a gig um yeah I know I didn't know you'd gone there it's funny that with um when they made up him and Damon it was quite, it was kind of a relief you are like all right well you're allowed
1: to like blur again now then yeah yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> which I, was I, ridiculous because I I, I I was i was at, I, I i started university in 94 um right and so it was that was very much the center of my university times w- was all that and i i remember being i was like the un peacekeeping forces in 95 when <laughs> when it was the official war yeah and you had to pick a side so i was kind of going like hey guys can't we like both Oh, that was you were That's one of them, bands, guys. <laughs> and, and my thing was like that in 1995. For all that that was a big thing, Robson and Jerome spent a combined total of eleven weeks at number one in the British charts. That should not go forgotten. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it was—it was kind of weird that just at a point where we're finally getting decent stuff coming through, why you're suddenly only allowed to uh, to like one of them?
2: Yeah yeah i remember in school sitting next to he might be listening to this he's a massive oasis fan phil hounsham i used to sit next yeah. to his school and uh and i was probably in a blur before oasis i remember because they had an album out a bit earlier than oasis yeah, yeah. and i remember li- and my brother had that on tape and i remember listening to that and loving that and then oasis came along going and then immediately loving oasis but uh, well, not, not immediately actually. Just knowing of them, and then saying to my mate, "Oh, it'd be good if they both played a gig together." And him going, "Oh no, 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 they hate each other." Yeah, thought, yeah, like, yeah. Really, do they? And that's <laughs> how I fouled out at the back of French. Yeah. Sat next to Phil Hampshire. Um, and it's it, it, yeah,
1: it's interesting because it's it's kind of depends exactly what year you were born. So I'm a bit old. i was born in '76. Right. Yeah. And so blur. So. You know, like "There's No Other Way" is a hit in nineteen ninety, yeah. And then "Modern Life Is Rubbish" is ninety three, uh, yeah. And then "Park Life" is April ninety four. Um, so by the time that definitely maybe comes out in the August of ninety four, Blur have already had three albums out. Oh, it's a good point. I didn't think of that. So it's 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 kind of and what's odd was um, they all had their own rivalries before before they hated each other. Um, Blur. And Swade had a big had a big hatred because yeah. uh, because they both both Damon and Brett Anderson had been out with Justine Frishman. Um so so that was one of the big hate, hatreds. There's a fantastic. It's not in the Blur documentary because it only resurfaced, There's a bootleg of a gig that Blur do. There's a it's a, a Shelter gig. It's a fundraiser in a, in 1992, and Swade are on before them. And Suede are just on, on the rise, and they absolutely blow everyone away. So Suede get the, all the great reviews, whereas Blur get absolutely shit-faced be, beyond coherence. So it was always regarded as, like, here's this legendary self-destructive gig where they make knobs of themselves. But it had never surfaced as a bootleg. And then it's just, in recent times, it's it's finally popped up as a bootleg. And he sounds... I've never heard... He, he says, thank you for supporting Shelter. But I've never heard someone thank an audience for supporting a charity in a more sneery way. He kind of goes, thanks for supporting Shelter. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he begins to give, he says, You're, we're so shit, you should fuck off now. Wow. And so it's, it's, it's pretty... A good, um, it's a good opener, isn't it? And so they'd had that rivalry. And then before 95, Oasis had a big rivalry with Shed 7 so uh in sept- in september 1994 is, is
2: that all because of the uh the shared font <laughs> of their uh,
1: yeah that would be names. great if that was the reason um it was there's an interview noel gives an interview in august 94 in which he says uh if we're the beatles who are the who who are the rolling stones we need bands that are really going to buzz and it's not going to be the likes of Shed Fucking Seven.
3: <laughs> um,
1: and then, so so that that makes the music, you know, that that becomes good content, good copy for a while. And then uh, on September the thirteenth, nineteen ninety four, a uh, a recently turned eighteen year old young man by the name of Steve Hall is yep. given the chance to interview Shed Seven. Hey. So, Aye? so uh, as a young man, I interviewed Shed Seven. Um, what? What uh, for? Uh, it was for my mates' fanzine. Uh, this blo- bloke in my year at school called, called Arif Morby, who God, hates do- me to this day because I never actually finished the article. I did the interview, and I never, <laughs> I never wrote it up. You've
2: still got homework to hand in. Steve.
1: Yeah. So in the interv- in in his fanzine, it, it, there's a little asterisk where he says, "Steve Hall of Boreham Wood, you are a wanker." <laughs> <laughs> Steve... Stay- so I went to the Columbia Hotel to interview Shed Seven, and, and again, even, famous and not, Columbia yeah, Hotel. and not, not. I think because, because definitely, maybe it only just come out, and there's obviously the song. On that. So, so uh, I remember kind of going, "Well, this is, I, I think this is probably a little bit above my skill and knowledge grade here." Yeah. And um, I couldn't get the fucking dictaphone to work, so I lost half the interview. Uh, and there's a point it, it, where I realise it hasn't recorded you can hear rick Rick witter the first bit of the interview is rick witter going is it working now you haven't still got that have you i've still got it somewhere because i try and get them to talk about oasis and they don't want to talk about it and then rick witter goes for a piss and uh, i think it's alan leach i think is the drummer yeah. he's quite happy to talk about it so he comes back uh, uh, rick rick witter returns while alan leach is slagging them off uh uh, and, and Alex is like, I don't give a fuck. I'll, you know, I'll get into a, you know, I'll, I'll take the piss out of them. And then Witter re- returns and goes, what the fuck are we talking about Oasis for? Fuck Oasis. And my heart <laughs> wow. starts beating because I'm going, the reason we're talking about Oasis is that I've asked about it. So it's it's entirely my fault. But I remember thinking, well, there's the headline. Fuck Oasis for the article yeah, yeah. I never bothered to write up. <laughs> well, wow, that was where you're a. Uh... I mean, as careers
2: in music journalism go, you went out big but you you, you went down in a ball
1: of flames. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't
2: get the dick to phone a work, you caused an argument within the band and you didn't yeah. finish the
1: article. Because I did, I, and the reason I'd been given the chance to interview them was I'd interviewed Madder Rose, who uh, again, with your relative youth you may, might be a tiny bit before your time. Yeah, They were fantastic Madder Rose, they were John Peel favourites. Well, and that's they, all um, I need to know. They headlined the the second stage at, at Reading in '94. Yeah, um, and they were just lovely. And so we did. Someone had known that I liked them, uh, so I was given. So Arif Morby gave me the chance to uh, to interview them, and that had gone really well. Me and my mate Richard interviewed them, and it was just lovely. And they were so sweet. And we, you know, nervous little spotty Herberts that we were. <laughs> All our dickish questions—they were really nice—and uh, oh. so, so that led to the big break. The shit <laughs> yeah. <and> the
2: <laughs> that you royally ballsed up. <laughs> how can you not get a dictaphone
1: to work? Yeah, I mean, that's, how, that's I, the amazing thing. I, I, I was like, and I, I've there's I, one when, button. I, that I don't. I still to this day don't know how I did it because it's like my mum had lent me her dictaphone. It should not have been physically possible for me to make such a balls up with a simple p- press play and record
2: yeah you couldn't work your mum's dictaphone i don't know how we're doing this via zoom right now yeah. well to be fair you haven't got a microphone yeah, you exactly. have to be talked through this at the start yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so uh yeah you are a couple years older than me by the way you casually use the word fanzine i've never said i've heard it on music documentaries never <laughs> never had a fanzine didn't know what one was but um so what i imagine no offense steve i imagine you quite an awkward teenager absolutely yeah i've got that Very bang on so. yeah yeah 100 percent.
1: awkward uh obsessive
2: about things that you're
1: into yeah well it took to- me a while to to get into stuff because i was such a sort of uh introverted little what would be called a swat i can imagine you, you doodling Thompson. did you doodle did you draw I wasn't a drawer, I've got no artistic talent. I was this is the best summary is I was a big Dungeons and Dragons player.
2: I mean That's, I uh, was gonna use that as a very lazy, clumsy example,
1: but I thought better of it. Yeah, I am. Um, I have one I have a line in my stand-up which is completely autobiographical that <laughs> at the age of thirteen I took part in a sponsored 24-hour dungeons and dragons role-playing session <laughs> to raise money for children with special needs <laughs> I should... yeah that
2: is uh wow it's brilliant when you can get a laugh out of just facts yeah 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 like, what a what a enjoyable sentence that is yeah. but uh so about what was the f- i mean you're a fan of the podcast you know the standard questions yeah yeah um would you re- what do you remember your parents
1: listening to? So, so my mum was so my mum was born in forty nine. So she was, uh, and they're London Irish. Her the, her dad was from County Mayo. Right. So, so she grew up in Cricklewood. So that's that London Irish community. Oh, that's who, well.
2: I, I remember doing a gig there very early on, and it was like you going to another world.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like an
2: island plonked there, isn't it? Yeah. So she grew up there, and you grew up in Boreham Wood, did you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So they would made it out to the sticks. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh yeah. lovely. So London Irish is your dad London Irish. As well? No,
1: wait. So weirdly, he's his his dad was Scottish uh, right. and his mum was a Ukrainian refugee. Oh, so uh, got no English blood at all in fact. <laughs> right. Because yeah, uh, my Irish granddad met an American, uh, an American woman in London in the thirties.
2: Is this why you never played uh, football for the England international team? Yeah,
1: it's why I, I haven't yet ruled myself out of the Ukrainian squad I haven't no, you, could, my-
2: you you uh i can imagine you just playing off shevchenko <laughs> <laughs> just uh you you just sit and just uh you know just dictate play and put him through i can imagine <laughs> that um so yeah so you what, uh, and so, what you so remember she, listening she to?
1: she's in london just as things are getting good music wise so she was she'd been to see like an early version of the who i think when they were still called i think it's the high numbers i think they were called um but her big thing was the beatles so so when we were first when we were first aware we discovered my mum's old record collection of she had like every beatles single every beatles album that would be worth a fucking fortune today had we not as seven and eight year olds my brothers are 16 months younger than me Um, discovered them and just absolutely trashed them. We played them to death but Um, this was also the time when hip-hop's coming through and the idea of scratching on a record was coming through but we didn't, we thought to scratch on a record you physically scratched the record so we got like the needle of a compass um, and, and, uh, and scratched up like a fucking pristine copy of the White Album was suddenly with deep needle scores in it
2: Wow, and how did you get on with your, your um, foster parents? All right. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, because my mum's she's only realized she, she's only known in recent years how much money they'd be worth. Oh, so uh, wow, yeah, horrible little shits.
2: I mean, when you uh, when you hear about what what you're getting in the inheritance, I don't think you can yeah, have yeah, any. Yeah. Oh, oh, she's she's given it all to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's give
1: it all to a dog charity, that seems fair, after what yeah. we did. Um so, but, so the Beatles and so like I still She Loves You is still that's in my top three Beatles songs, I think. I still because it's such specific memories of playing that single on my mum's old record player.
2: I never obviously I'd never I never Oh that's really nice as a as a young kid. There's something I remember records fascinated me as a young kid. We don't I don't I think we had a record player, I don't think it worked. But that I remember looking at them, thinking how like you know otherworldly they looked. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. were actually playing them. The sound of yeah. it must and, have been.
1: And then and then not playing them and then like you know spilling spilling orange juice on the on the on the record sleeves.
2: Oh God! Wow, what what a massive respect and disrespect you had for music at yeah, a young yeah.
1: age. And then um, she played. She had Carol King's Tapestry. In the, in the car on tape. That's I feel like that was almost played exclusively.
2: Yeah, it, yeah. It's funny that um, car music that, because sometimes you just can't be asked, especially with tapes. If you've got one that you like and every song on it's good, there's, it's rare you get an album that there's not one song that you would, um, I was going to say skip, forward past. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of them. That's an amazing album. It's character. amazing how well that it stands
1: album. up, that. And it's obviously, it's like a template, like that album, you know, that become almost a genre in itself with a number of things that are trying to be that record.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, every, it's one of them where you're like, well, every song on this could be a single. Yeah. It's amazing. So you, you remember a, whenever, that as in the car.
1: Whenever there was a big debate about gun violence um, and whether songs influence violence, the song Smack Water Jack on Tapestry... Is that that? If you look at the lyrics to that, that sounds like a Nick Cave in the Bad Seed songs. Uh, he couldn't take no more abuse, so he shot down the congregation. Yeah. He, he kills an entire church with a shotgun. But yeah. because it never gets mentioned, it's like, well, we need to ban this sick Carol King, encouraging <laughs> yeah. shotgun slaughter of church-going folk.
2: Yeah, she was. Uh, yeah, there was no was no one was burning her records. Yeah, there was yeah. no big demonstration.
1: Yeah. The the other thing I remember from my childhood and again this is I think this had stopped. You were born in 1980. 80, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think this had stopped by the time you were a kid that they used to play on kids TV in in, in like the kids TV hours. They would play the Monkeys TV show. I remember loads. that? Just remember uh, that, yeah. And so it's weird that if you if you rewatched like the opening credits of, the, of their TV show It's almost like in a collective unconscious where you suddenly go, "Oh, this all comes back!" Like all, and and how great it looked, like the jump cuts from from them dressed as, you know, them them running into the surf with surfboards and running out again and dressed as foreign legion people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I loved them, and I I had a tape that my nan had got me of uh, of like with a couple of beetles a couple of Monkey songs on it, and I have a very specific memory of. Of going, of asking my mum and getting a bollocking for it because one of their songs, is called alternate title, is what it's and then in brackets it's got words that at the time when I was seven I didn't understand because it's got the real so the which is obviously the real title and it's been renamed alternate title, so I went up to my mum and said, Mum, what does Randy Scouse Git mean? <laughs> because that's the name of the song, and I, oh, I remember really? getting such a bollocking because she's like, Where? but it's also. Randy Scalskit, that's uh, that <laughs> Wayne Rooney. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I think it's I think they got it from an episode of Till Death us Do Part. I think it's Alf Garnett kind of going, You Randy Scous Git.
3: Oh yeah.
2: Oh maybe yeah, yeah, that would make sense. And you got a bollock for saying that. For saying you had no words, idea Randy what it Scales meant. Get. Yeah. Right. Well, wow. Um so yeah, so you were in that did that carry on for ages then, just loving the Beatles? Because with the thing with the Beatles is people who are not into them that much? I don't think they get. So how can you just be into the Beatles? Because they pretty much within a band covered every genre of music you could need, really within yeah, the band. Yeah. So you could like the the Love Me Do era. They've got different eras of the band, and you forget as well that the Beatles. You think they were around? They were together for about a like you know yeah. over a decade since fifty eight something like that till seventy. Yeah, yeah or 69 so they're only together for just over sort of 10 years in total i think something like that i've got yeah, i've yeah. got that bang on but their albums are from what was love me do 63 yeah, 62, or 62 63 yeah, yeah yeah and then the last album whether it was abbey road or let it be was um was uh 69 70 so in eight years they released all them albums yeah it's
1: start it, yeah it's staggering stuff we we just got we we've been buying the remastered ones on vinyl we've got we got a record player that i cannot get to not skip because we have got wooden floors in this crappy house we live in mm. and so it's heartbreaking trying to like i've put fucking i've got i've got the record player sat on tennis on on tennis balls cuz someone said that's a way to um that's a way oh, to you're trying it, everything yeah <laughs> but it's also when you've spent quite a lot of money and then literally a 2 pound 99 tennis ball might, mm. might be the thing that saves it yeah. Uh, so we've been playing the kids because m- my my six year old daughter she loves Oh Darling,
2: ah. um,
1: uh, but um, the wheel has come full circle. They've scratched the record to shit. They've Abbey Road now doesn't the second side of Abbey Road won't play oh, all the yeah. Golden Slumbers medley because there's a massive scratch from where the kids have fucked around with it.
2: That whole epic ending of a career, yeah, is gone. Um, and and so, um, but I feel like my
1: mum. My, i mentioned it to my mum, and she's like well now you know how it fucking feels
2: oh she must be absolutely delighted and she probably <laughs> keyed your car as well <laughs> <laughs> but um so there that carried on so but then when did you um or what what age did you suddenly
1: find music of your your age so to my embarrassment the first thing i really got into was about ba- an irish band called clanad who heard of them? Um, they're sort of, they almost invented their own genre. Again, they, this kind of Celtic New Age. Um, <laughs> oh, so right. this is, the, at the time, they, they did the theme tune to Robin Hood, the, the 80s version of Robin Hood. The TV?
2: Of, yeah. the TV? Yeah. The TV show?
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember Robin, yet. the hooded man. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so like they, Enya, I think they're sisters with Enya, or Enya is their sister. Yeah. So it's, in, it's very much in that world. But I, I, would get, I would get in people's faces about how great they were. Like, no, nah, fuck you, man. You need to check them out. You'd get up in their you grill. To, you need to listen it. to the theme from Harry's Game. And you'd you get, but weirdly, if, if, if people would listen, on, if, I, if I do a lend of my Walkman, people would sort of go, oh, no, this is great. Yeah, this is really good one earphone but you can't really sing along and sort of go it was that kind of thing was it it's warbling it's still i still think they're great but it was one of those where there's a moment where you sort of go um i, I i've gone all in on clan ad and I've ignored, <laughs> it. I've ignored everything else that's happened and this is the point where most of the people in my year are buying and use your illusions volumes one and two so
2: there's full, there's full years
1: of music that you now listen back and go, I didn't know all of that at the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. I was deep clan ad. Yeah, yeah. And then weirdly, my way into actual, into like the music I listen to today was through comedy. That I, I, started, I got obsessed with comedy before I got really into music. And right. I would what? go to, um, so I remember, for example, going to 6th of December 1992, oh. going to see Sean Hughes. Uh, and his support act on his tour was Alan Davis.
2: How old were you then I would have been
1: sixteen I think well, all right okay. and um Sean would do jokes about it, 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 you know about the modern indie scene oh, he, he, had, yeah, he had a he lovely thing music, didn't he? He, he played loads of clips he had i remember he had like a bit in his in the routine a bit in the show about being the person standing in the corner at parties. And mm. how you're only allowed at a party? There's only one person allowed to be sulking in the corner, and if he gets to a party and there's someone sulking in the corner before him, he's got to be like, "Oh, can, can you fuck off? That's my that's my job." <laughs> that's a really nice bit, and then he's got loads of callbacks at the end where he he would play music, and f- so so for the callback to that bit was it's it's REM singing that's me in the corner,
3: yeah,
1: and then he's like, "Oh no, Michael, do you mind if I?" So he does that, and then. The final gag is that he says, oh, it's the Inspiral Carpets, but rather than being a, cl- a clip from one of their songs, it's the Inspirers who said, fuck off, Sean. Oh, lovely. So it's a nice little, he's pulled the rug. But I remember, oh, the thinking, I remember hearing that and thinking, oh, fuck, I, if, if Sean Hughes is mates with the Inspiral Carpets, I should listen to the Inspiral Carpets because of that.
2: Oh, right. So hang on, this would have been, would this was that like an... An Edinburgh show? That sounds like an Edinburgh no, this show. Was, this
1: was a tour show, so this was this was in London. I yeah, but it. Is,
2: was he touring an Edinburgh show? Because that sounds like a I'd show. I'd imagine show. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So from him, from so from, that's weird. I've never heard of anyone who's got into music through comedy, although I kind of do that. If I'm really, now, if I'm a big fan of a comedian or, um, you know, um, somebody in something and they talk about a band they love... They go on about it. You think, "Well, yeah, she'll yeah, give it yeah. a go," but you straight away. So you got into music through comedy. That's weird. Yeah. You don't hear and then that. It's, often. it's
1: interesting. Like I, I know Jen Brister on, on this on this podcast talked about Carter. Yeah, uh, and she <laughs> give them did, the full did, title: Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine. Yeah, and she didn't much care for them, but again, they'd been. I think there's a Newman and Badil video where one of them uses the, the walk-on music is is Bloodsport for all which is uh, Carter? So, yeah all uh, right and and again and again that's all the the connection with comedy and music i once um at a music festival i i i emceed on jim bob from carter playing some solo stuff but on the comedies at the comedy stage right because they were really funny they their, their lyrics are very you know there's lots of wordplay lots of puns yeah um so they were really fu- they were a, a funny band which obviously gets sneered at if you dare to be humorous in your in your in rock music. music. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it, and it's another that's another brilliant YouTube thing. If, if you have ever seen them attacking Philip Schofield at the Smash Hits Awards. No, but I'll be definitely YouTubing that. It's really it, it's it's wonderfully savage. They play a song and they and they they so I don't know if it's jokingly, but they they like kick over some of their their monitors at the end of the show. And Philip Schofield really sarcastically goes, "Blimey, that was original," oh. and he's dripping with sarcasm. And so, so one of them just—you just see Philip Schofield just get wiped out as one of them dives. And there's a noise. The they didn't Schofield know. That so wasn't a hate crime, was it? No, no. Yeah, the no, no, no. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they weren't to know. Looking back,
1: um, wow. So it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. There's lots of little connections from comedy where where you sort of go oh right I probably got into that because of that
2: right so like Rob
1: Newman in fact some of it would be overly cool I remember Rob Newman had a joke which this this is more like putting yourself this is just telling the world that you like a particular sort of music he he, he had a joke that was like someone needs to go up from someone needs to go up from someone needs to go up to to Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream and say you can't dance and then just walk away and I remember at the time thinking that's not such a great joke but that is a way of, te- of you of him telling the world that he likes probable script yeah
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. it uh, is it's cool though when uh comedians are. Uh, hang on the dog's trying to get out you'll know from listening to this yeah he's been fairly quiet throughout you want to get out mate go, on, then. go sunshine um do you, do you know
1: um oh, the pop shield but um do you know the song uh because the dog's called Tony. Yeah. Do you know uh, the two Tony songs? I know. Do you know Tony's theme by the Pixies? No. It's a great song. I'd like to think of your dog now. This is a song about a superhero named Tony. It's called Tony's Theme. <laughs> but then there's another one. It's called People Who Died. It's by this punk dude called Jim Carroll, and he's, he just lists all his mates that have died. In a the, song, the line that something like, while on drugs, someone says, "Some so and so said, Tony, can you fly? Tony couldn't fly. Tony died. <laughs> so <laughs> Hang on, now, so that... when I hear that song, I picture your dog flying run through the air.
2: Yeah. Um, did a Tony couldn't fly when the four Fiesta hit him? Um, <laughs> have you? Uh, this song is that got? Is that just the whole song? Is just
1: him listing people that have died that he knows? Yeah, yeah. It's done. Yeah, like. It's it's a genuine tune. It's not. It, I've, I've made it sound a bit shit. It's quite. He was like a poet, who, yeah, he'd just seen an awful lot of stuff, and so he lists the friends that he's lost up to drugs, or uh, I think one died of leukemia, and so on.
2: Well, that that saves him uh, <laughs> dedicating the album to anyone, doesn't it? So we covered. So we covered there. So uh, uh, so uh, hang on. Then after um, what they called again the warbling the warbling irish band oh after Clanad, yeah yeah Clanad, yeah after Clanad. what well, yeah. did, well, did you
1: start getting into then and so start- it, then it, so it, i sort of piece it together uh, probably in 1993 so there are certain specific memories that like i remember um the first time here in modern life is rubbish and yeah. that was the real thing that 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 still stands up today that's that's a i that you know that would probably be my favorite album just has yeah. been with me all, all for so long. So hang on, how old is that now then? So that's 93 that, that 93. came out. Shit. That's 28 years old. Is
2: that right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Do you remember yeah. that when you, do you remember when you were listening remember when you were listening to that album and people were saying how old the Beatles are. The Beatles yeah, albums yes. are and you thought that seemed like a different life. That seemed like the last Beatles album uh was 1979. So the last Beatles album was only like fourteen years before that. Yeah,
1: nineteen seventy, not six, not seventy nine.
2: Seventy nine, yeah, nineteen seventy. So the last Beatles album was like thirteen, fourteen years before uh uh that Blur album. And yeah, that, it's it's. Is that right? Hang on, 70, no twenty twenty three. Like so, if it- cut that out, Paul, I sound like a dick. um yeah so the last Beatles album was 23 years or something yeah yeah and that when you were that age and someone said you know this that band are 15 years old or whatever they
1: seem like from another world yeah yeah well it's the interesting thing like in terms of the age you're at where the stuff settles in there there is that I I remember this is obviously what Jeff Innocent talked about on on the show on on this show I love the the way you're linking back to previous guests (laughs) It, that window. So I, I only ever had one long, long conversation with with Sean Hughes. God rest his soul. And it was it was what it was like the perfect conversation. It was in a car with him for, for four hours, and and he was because he become his TV show was on in the very early nineties, and so for him that that era that often gets a bit sneered at because it was for in, to the modern sensibility nineteen ninety four and Oasis and Britpop stop everything being shit. Yeah. He loved the early '90s and bands like the New Fast Automatic Daffodils, mm. and he was mates with these bands. But he really loved. He, he he always felt like that time, like '91, '92, th- th- just gets unfairly dismissed.
2: Yeah, I think the same. The same, uh, Ivo Graham, if we're going to start referring back, he yeah, said the yeah. same to sort of the the late '90s, early noughties gets dismissed mm. as the post yeah. uh, Britpop era. Well, there was there was obviously some good stuff. There was just a lot of shit, and there wasn't there what what is as well. There wasn't uh, something that could be defined like a movement. Or... Yeah, yeah. So when there's there isn't that, you just everything gets.
1: Yeah, and it's when it gets harder to locate the really good stuff. So so um, it's interesting how much it, so like 1993, when Radio One starts becoming good. That yeah. that's one of the big things that changes it is that years of. After the great uh, nonce cleansing that happened at Radio One, <laughs> the nonce cleanser, and, and yeah. you start getting—it's amazing that um, I've, I met Mark Radcliffe very briefly, uh, yeah. and it's and, and he's I've, his, his show, particularly the graveyard shift that they used to do with that him and Mark Riley used to do. That changed a lot of people's lives. It's amazing the number of comics who listened to that. Apparently, he said that like. The number of comedians who, when if they guest on his shows, and they say to him, "Are oh, you honestly changed my life?" He's kind of amazed at how many of them listen to that show and and say like, "That's a re- that changed everything." Really? Because they were so funny. Yeah. And They were so creative, and there would be poetry, and it, you know Mark Camo doing a film cult film, uh, you know cult film corner. There were so many things, yeah, as well Mark- as the music being really good.
2: I remember in the middle of the day, their show in the middle of the day for a while when I worked in a factory, Mark and Lard, and they had they had a story with uh, all the names. Do you remember all the names were, uh, like, oh, how would you describe it? All the names were like puns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But every day, like I could think of one of them a week. Yeah, they did yeah. like a whole story every day where everyone in it would be like, you know, like Bend Over, the, the most yeah, famous yeah. one. All the names were really original, tenuous, stupid versions yeah. of those. But like, I thought, how are they doing this every single day? They
1: were amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I got I had a very weird. This is, in fact, this was like the last gig I went to before the lockdown happened. That um, it was an amazing. Like, I've got an old mate called Simon Love, who is it? He fronts the. He, he, he had a band called The Loves. Who were they played like four Peel sessions um, right. back in the day, and, and I was I know him because my old girlfriend used to be in his band, and the the girlfriend is long departed, but I've stayed in touch with him. Um, and he st- he puts out stuff um, it, it, under his it's now, it's now Simon Love and the Old Romantics. All of <laughs> hey their stuff is great. It, the, the Loves themselves had a song called "I'm Gonna Get Fucked Up." That, <laughs> that I still play a lot. It's an absolute banger. Um, but he's got... He, he gets played on six music sort of thing. Um, he, there's a really good song called I, Not If I See You First yeah. uh, that got played quite a bit. And he was on a bill. It was him and then Mark Radcliffe's band called Oon, U-N-E, and then Helen Love, who were a sort of... Uh, uh, an indie indie band who were really great, who Chris Evans was particularly cunty about, Uh on radio 1, but they they're they're really mm-hmm. great but it was this kind of perfect lineup where i got to i got to have a bit of a catch-up with simon and then see mark radcliffe and it turns out that the the other bloke this oon is two blokes it's a really they've just got one album out and it's really really good um but the other bloke who uh um uh, who does oon with mark radcliffe's bloke called paul who i'd never met i get chatting to him and it turns out he runs a comedy gig in in nutsford uh, and so uh we swapped phone numbers and he was like well yeah you know drop us a line I'll put you on a." (laughs) a and obviously there hasn't been any comedy
2: no but you will get a gig out of it
1: but it was um I was kind of slightly overwhelmed because I'm thinking I've just gone to catch up with an old mate and I've ended up having a chat with Mark Radcliffe at a point where they've just finished a gig and Mark Radcliffe is 62 years old and clearly wants to go to fucking bed
2: (laughs) and you got a gig out of it potentially yeah at
1: some point so you. Fuck, but so that was that's... a big part of it. So that, so that's as you start to get into it. Mark Radcliffe, I remember when I started listening to his show every night. Yeah. There were certain things they played that are still. So they. Kristen Hirsch had a solo album out called Hips and Makers that year, and that's one of my big recommendations. Oh yeah, uh, lovely. That that still stands up. She did. She had a duet with Michael Stipe called Your Ghost, that was the big single from that and that then became she was the first live gig I went to that wasn't comedy really uh, that was your how old were you then so you, so I, would, I was 17 so I, I always feel like I'm making up for lost time that I should have stuff I should have been listening to when I was 14 or 15
2: I think everyone probably feels like that in some way if you really yeah, yeah. use music, you just can't catch up you're always you you find bands that were around when you were you were you know you were present you were active and you're like, how did I miss that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, so, I, and um, I sort of went slightly crazy that year of like trying to, like suddenly thought, oh, fuck, I've missed so much stuff. I need to listen to more. Uh, and so I end up that year in 94. So much happens in 94 because yeah. Kurt, Kurt Cobain dies in April. John Smith dies. Bill Hicks dies. Air and Senna dies. Uh, <laughs> but then also um, His and Hers by Pulp comes out in the April. So does Part Life. Uh, obviously, definitely, maybe comes out in the August. So there's so Jesus. much culturally going on.
2: I don't re- like because you're that little bit older than me. I'd have been because I'm not 80, but I would have been 13 then for mm. all of that. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm uh, 14 in October.
0: Right. So yeah, all that's yeah.
2: happened before I'm 14. All yeah. I remember from that was Air and Cena. Right. Because my <laughs> my best mate, my <laughs> best mate Jam, JB Panel, he is uh mad in Formula One. He sprays Formula One cars now. Um, he uh, um, so I don't remember. I remember Kurt Cobain. I don't remember him dying because I got into Nirvana, and then someone pointed out he he just killed himself like five months ago. Or something. Right? Yeah, what? yeah. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. But uh, I've got, Jesus, um, when you put it like that, and you yeah. would have been aware of that, you'd have been like,
1: whoa, whoa. Well, I've got a. Uh, I remember taping it off of the radio that Sound City that year was Glasgow, and Pulp replaced Hole. Um, uh, and this was this is in the gap between uh, Kurt going into the coma in Rome, and yeah. before he before he dies, and so Jarvis comes out to a very hostile Glaswegian crowd, and he said this is being broadcast at like seven thirty on Radio One, where um uh, he's like going I'm sorry if you thought I was going to have bright red lipstick and be wearing a pink dress, but I'm afraid Hull can't play tonight. Apparently, Kurt Cobain is tidy in his living room and courtney and he's got to make sure he doesn't take any drugs while he does it it's pretty <laughs> he's like going, it's really hard being a rock star it's just really difficult you, you know you've got to get up at like 11 a.m so he's being sarcastic and the crowd absolutely hate it so they're yeah. like there's a bit really loudly you hear someone shout out in a Glaswegian accent wank balls <laughs> well, that's good to know that went out on radio one yeah, yeah. another and thing pop wet- can be proud yeah. of someone with accidental timing just before they play the first uh, strums of babies you hear someone just go pulper shake <laughs> you can rely on a glasgow audience for so, that, yeah. yeah and so so all of this is happening and then like the year because i know you've talked about um when you got your gcse results it's when be here now came out yeah, on the day i got more the, results um, yeah the, the my version of that is the day my a level results came out yeah um oasis were playing the astoria in london oh wow. uh, and my mate someone i knew was like going i'm you know lads i've sorted his tickets we're going we're going to go and see it we, you know we'll, we'll we'll get the results we'll meet up at 1 a.m at 1 p.m at the school uh, we'll have a, you know we'll drink in the afternoon then we'll then we'll go into town um and that was the day we found out that this bloke was just a total bullshitter
2: ah uh, what
1: uh, and, it, and it was and he was like it was something like oh i've lost the ticket so they never came in the post
2: or the bloke let me down, or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it was—it was just this really. It was quite a surreal day because it was—it was the changing of the guards kind of thing. It was—it was like you know, now we are looking to university. Yeah. And it was, and
2: yeah, yeah you're looking to the future and growing up and getting into the real world and quickly being introduced to a bullshitter. Yeah. What What a life lesson he gave you early yeah, doors, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then. Um, and what did you did do? Hang on, so you you thought you were going to the Astoria to see Oasis, what? So we what? end up we just went to like an enjoyably crappy indie club. Yeah. Because we you know, we were pretty hammered by this point. So I remember just kind of dance, you know, having a that's bit of a still dance.
2: quite good though. I thought you were gonna say we just went home and played uh, Yeah,
1: I oh, know it was it was nice, and then we um i Nintendo <laughs> I got tickets to Reading, so that was my first festival was and that's oh. just a, that's like twelve days like ten days later or something like that. Who was on? Do you remember? Um, I do because this was. I turned eighteen during during that festival, so I. Uh, so it was like my first. I think it was my first ever joint was turning eighteen. Uh, wow. Feeling feeling quite the rebel. Thinking, yeah. Where, where's your fucking clan ad now? <laughs> I'm eighteen. I've got a doobie on the go. Yeah. And I'm it, was a, was like, it was an interesting mix because it's. Often the these conversations can end up being the whitest conversations. Yeah, uh, uh, and and that was where I liked Reading that year was they had they had like Cypress Hill and Ice Cube and Gang Star. Oh, thank so God they went
2: that way. I thought you were going to say these these go white. That's why I liked Reading
1: that year because oh, no, it was no, just yeah. all white people. Yeah, <laughs> I've no. tried. I've, I, I've over the years I've always been aware of how quite how quite how deeply middle class and white it is. So, I've always tried. I, I, in two thousand and ten, I went to see Gil Scott Heron was doing it. he was doing. I was I was having a belated honeymoon in New York with the wife, and he was playing a free gig in Central Park. So I thought, oh, I'm gonna go and see it. I, you know don't know enough about him, but I absolutely love everything I've heard. And it was such a hot summer's day, i had I had a bit of a turn uh, and started to feel really faint. and they had these bleachers. <laughs> Uh, and the only people sat in the bleachers were these incredibly elegant all in amazing dresses but all elderly black women yeah uh, uh, and then I, I i have to like tot past them with like my wife helping me i'm literally hearing like pasty ass white boy <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then i'm i'm apologizing and i hear one of them like go it's okay he's british so
2: you've gone from smoking a doobie at Reading Festival as an eighteen year old to being led off by the arm yeah, by your yeah. wife yeah. Pass, <laughs> in a park yeah. being mocked by
1: elderly black women. White ass motherfucker. Yeah. Sit your ass down. Yeah. <laughs> the thing the thing about Reading was that it's always, when I look back at the poster, it's all the it's all the bands I didn't see. Oh, so really. there were really good things. I remember seeing the Lemonheads, I remember seeing Hole played that year. And that's the worst. That's the that was an utter car crash because she'd lost her husband four months earlier. So why why they were doing a gig? It felt it felt like you were rubbernecking at a car crash. Oh yeah. Um, but I didn't see the Verve who were playing that year. I didn't see Jeff Buckley. Oh God! Yeah. So all the and because I spent a lot of it in the comedy tent. So I think I didn't see uh-huh. Jeff Buckley because I was watching Sean Mio. Um, mm. But I'm still happy with that choice. Shaw Mio is fucking brilliant.
2: I'm sure he'd be obviously happy. Obviously, in terms of, of
1: the bragging rights and going, oh, who did you see at Sean? Uh, who did you see at the Reading Festival? Uh, Steve gribbin He was wonderful. <laughs> Fuck, you missed the verve because <laughs> you're watching Mike gunn Yeah, and I stand by it as well. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, it must be funny
2: now when you see Sean Mio and he's he's verbally bullying you in the dressing room and you're like I, fa- I miss jeff buckley for you mate come on be nice have some just at least say hello would be nice from sure mio yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yeah and then uh, and then sort of Britpop pop happened and then after that what have you got into in the last well, i don't ask a lot is cuz you have this issue with people they get their music tastes that's them set and they're done forever a lot of people like that i'm not far off but have you got into anything recently in the last yeah, year it's or a, so? it's
1: a combo. Of what what I've been doing more of is uh, is like finding things that I'd missed, things that had passed me by that I'd never like, I'd never had them. I was I feel like I was so skint for so long yeah. that every now and then you will sort of go, oh, I never actually. I've always intended to buy that, and I never did. So there was, I I remember again how everything connects here. I remember when Blur were touting the fifth album the one with song two and beetle bum on it yeah they did a session on mark radcliffe um at which i taped off the radio and on that tape just a couple of other songs that mark radcliffe played and one of them was paris 1919 by john cale so, right. so, so it comes out the album's out in 73 um and that side loved it but i'd sort of forgotten about it, it was you know you because you stop playing tapes after a while so i recently got that record I say recently, it's probably it's actually longer ago than that. But I bought that, and that was well. This is one of the greatest records there is. And then John Cale was—he was playing the album live in Cardiff, Um, and so I went to see it with my mate Steph Guerrero, who is one of the uh, the co-hosts of uh, the socially distant sports bar podcast with Mike Bubbins and Ellis James. Yeah, Uh, Steph's an old mate from 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 uni. Uh, and so we went to see that, and and he said, "Oh, my my mate James is going to come along um, as well, and we'll probably we'll probably go out on the piss with him afterwards." Uh, and I meet his mate James, who turns out to be James Dean Bradfield from the Mannix. Jesus, so, you can't! So I end do up that. I end up having a night out on the lash in Cardiff with James Dean Bradfield, who is absolutely delightful.
2: You're not allowed to refer to him as James. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not right. Oh, yeah, Elvis is coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't do that. But I've I've seen interviews with him. Uh, you know, when you watch a music documentary and it goes to, it suddenly goes to certain, so, the more you hear them talk, you go, oh, I like, I'm not in, I'm not like, I like. really like the Manic Street Preachers. I've never been, I'm not like a massive fan, but whenever I see him interviewed, I just think, oh, he's a fucking dude.
1: Yeah. I and, it and that was it, I, Like I'd like and them. in Cardiff I, as well. Yeah, I'd wow. like them, but I hadn't been obsessed with them. So it was like yeah, the right level too. of where I'd, I'd I'd got the records, but I'd, I'd never. But you could talk to him like a my flesh.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That album I was obsessed with Manic Street Preachers. The one, um, um, if you tolerate this, yeah, then yeah, your yeah. children will be next, and the one off of that everlasting
1: off of that album that's a great song
2: There, i yeah, love yeah. that song i don't think that gets played enough and you stole the song from that was a. Uh, those were some dumped songs i was dumped by a girl and though i took refuge in those songs a bit <laughs> um yeah when i was about what age that would have been i'd have been about 18 then that was 99
1: yeah. well he was so good because because the number of people are coming up asking for a photo with him and he yeah. was just really lovely with all of them. And it ended up, the night only ended because Steph ended up puking in the street. Definitely. So so it, was, it felt like that's like the nice, that's like the perfect end to a really, really excellent night out.
2: Yeah, you can't do that in front of a rock star.
1: Yeah. Imagine what he's seen. And you're thrown up going, I didn't eat properly before I come out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember him getting annoyed at the gig because people were being very middle class about about this album. This was, you know, the first time he's played this album in its entirety, yeah. and it was very Guardian readery, like polite applause. And I remember James kind of being in, my my mate James, yeah, uh, oh Jimbo, yeah, um, kind of trying to exhort people to 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 be aware that they were seeing something special.
3: All
2: oh, right. Uh, oh Again, again, seeing musicians love the music is a great yeah. thing. Do you remember?
1: And then, and then you remember there's you band with we, him much? Uh, say that again. Did you chat with him much? Yeah, yeah. We chatted a bit about music in the night because he'd really liked. There's a really good band called Veruca Salt. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good so, name.
3: Um, Don't
1: know that. So is. again, this is this is very specific. You you're just out of the age bracket for this. That in in 1994. Yeah. Um, I think all, if you look at the independent singles released that year, the top four... No, are, I, was busy,
2: I was too busy trying to crack Puberty at that point. I wasn't checking. Yeah,
1: yeah go on. Like the, to, the top four selling independent singles of 94 were Supersonic, Shaker Maker, Live Forever, and whatever. I think something like that. Mm. Um, and then the only one that breaks into it is, is Veruca Salt's single, Seether. Right. Which is a, an absolute it's it's one of the great riffs it's just it's it's so it's whim- it's two female singers um but it's it, you know it's just brilliant rock and roll they were also very good looking yeah it was this slightly weird thing of chatting to a, f- a full-blown an actual rock star and he's like going, oh yeah i fancied them as well yeah he's like i wouldn't <laughs> but i loved it down to earth he was like going, you know they were you know they were brilliant and yeah, they're obviously really good looking yeah Wow, that's their first album, "American Thighs," the first Veruca Salt album, is that—that's yeah—that's another recommendation. That really, it's an absolute belter.
2: I'll we'll get I'll get that on there then. So um, so that I mean it's a good place to finish you talking to James Dean Bradfield. Yeah, out of I've, the
1: I've got, I, I actually took notes. I've got I made I was, I was trying to put aside things, words, I I barely scratched the surface.
2: I know it goes off. Yeah. Um, is I'll there mention, a band, is there a band or a gig, or something that you want to mention that you'd be annoyed?
3: Yeah, a, that's so what I'm going to do I'll at try, the end
2: of the podcast. Now yeah. I'm going to have an that's kind of an amnesty kind of thing to make sure because I'm getting follow up
1: emails from people. Yeah. I'll try and I, I'm going to try and so the the things to mention: Darren Hanlon, <laughs> uh, Australian singer. Yeah. Again, links to comedy here. So he's an Australian, like folky indie, brilliant songwriter. And I first I buy I buy his album when when my old sketch show do Melbourne in 2007. Yeah. And then I end up doing some late night radio shows with the pedantic comedian Daniel Daniel Kitson. I know of him. Uh, um yeah. we do we do the 2am to 6am slot on this local radio show 3Triple R is called. Yeah, um, you do that with him do you? I did it four times Oh ever. okay. Oh, um, okay. Uh And uh, and so we discuss a shared love. I'd only just bought him. We we discuss Hamlin, and then six months later, I'm visiting my then girlfriend, now wife, for the first time in Melbourne. And Daniel, by coincidence, is doing uh, a month run at one of the arts festivals there. Yeah. Uh, And so, and we actually we do the radio show again one time. And he then says, he says, look, I'm I'm my mates asked me to be in a video. Do you want to come and hang out with us tomorrow? And he's the star of one of Darren Hanlon's videos. And so is we get it? to hang out with him. And it's this bizarre thing that he's th- that Darren Hanlon is the first thing I ever talked to my now wife about. Our first ever conversation was about how great Darren Hanlon is. Yeah. Uh, and then six months later, we're, we're in his video. So that I'm in it for like three seconds. Can you get that on YouTube? It's surely. on YouTube. It's, it's called "Fingertips and Mountain Tops." That that's the name of the you're
2: song. You're in that, and Kitson's in
1: that. Kitson did it. Kitson's the star of it, and you're in that. And I'm in it for like yeah, three. for three se- for literally three seconds.
2: That's weird. What a weird thing! How that yeah, he, all comes he, he together. One,
1: Darren Hannon is a, is another of those singers that comedians love because his lyrics are they, they're they're funny and they're warm and they're human. There's you're, the starting off point. There's a song called. Uh, falling airplanes yeah um, that sums up for anyone who's trying to do something creative particularly yeah. like writing or singing or comedy yeah. um the song falling airplanes it does something to you
2: do you mean, as in it makes you um
1: it sort of it makes, you was... cry. it makes you cry yeah. but it also makes you it sort of it reminds you about how supportive the, those around us who who allow us to, to try these and write. weird careers oh wow oh I'll give that a listen yeah. that sounds that sounds unbelievable he's he's brilliant and then um who else i've got i want to check my notes because I've, I've written i've, I've, I've you're the first person that's written notes or in fact darren hanlon, the last time i saw darren hanlon do a gig there's, an, there's a brilliant american comedian called april richardson who i'd never met but i saw her in the audience uh, of this of this handling gig so i sort of went up and said like um, we've never met but um are you doing gigs are you are you to- are you doing shows over here because because i'd seen her on youtube and she's excellent and she went oh no i actually live here now uh um i'm, I'm uh i'm married to this guy and she introduces me to her uh, to her husband who was who is martin rossiter the lead singer of gene <laughs> <So
2: it's, laughs> You've so, you bump into some musicians
1: don't you yeah but it's just, it, it, I lo- it's how weirdly connected comedy and music is. Yeah. And I'm chatting to him, and it turns out he was really good mates with Sean Hughes. They like, I think they might have hosted something like Top of the Pops or, or the uh, and together. Yeah. Yeah. But all of that starting from this this little you know well, this folk singer who's just brilliant. Well,
2: well that um, you're right. The way music and comedy is linked like that, that I, I, that's what I say all the time. That there's this weird fascination that comedians have got from musicians and musicians have got for comedians and there's something about when you hear lyrics written like when they say when they say how they wrote a song they say i just had this one bit i just kept playing it over and over and that reminds sometimes you just notice one thing as a yeah yeah yeah. you just notice one bit and out of that and uh, the best ones do you don't know where they came from and they're like the best songs when they I always feel bad for musicians because they're expected to answer those questions a lot more than comedians how did you write that song what's that song about and they're like oh, it just yeah yeah I don't know i'd love to know because then i could
1: write more yeah it's, it's yeah it's happy accidents
2: yeah and i think that's why quite often musicians and comedians sort of cling to each other a bit don't yeah, they? Yeah.
1: that was it, it, it the thing that blew my when when our when my old sketch show when our tv show was going out yeah um Greg Davis met Billy Bragg, and Billy Bragg said to him, um, "Oh, I've been watching your sh- I've been watching your TV show with my son," <laughs> and that fucking melted my head. And the same thing happened. Damon Albarn went up to marrick in, in, in like B- the BBC. They bumped in just in reception, uh, and Damon Albarn said, "Oh, I've been enjoying Clang." Wow! Uh, and, uh, and yeah, d- you want- that- And,
2: and, and Marrick said, uh, "Can you?" Uh- I shouldn't be having this conversation.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Steve should be having this. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go track him down.
1: Wow. But so, did he ring the... you straight away? Yeah, no, he didn't. That was because he couldn't. He didn't really care. So he was just like, oh. he, I think he mentioned it like a few days. Like, oh yeah, I met. I met <laughs> that guy in Old Barn. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, he likes us apparently.
1: Yeah. I've got one other thing. Because uh, I, I don't want to keep you here till fucking. That's all. P. No, no. That's all it's right. Paul, Paul, will edit out all the bits where you insert. refer to
2: notes. <laughs> we'll will make it look seamless.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, I had a tape when I was a kid. I, I, I'd recorded something off the radio that was a song, and I never knew the name of the singer. And it was this song that it would go. It felt very sexy to a, to an eight-year-old Catholic boy. Uh, it, it, I think everything kiss does. me with your mouth. Your love is better than wine, and I never knew who it was. Um, the and priest? then years, I hadn't thought about it. Had it on it, you know. It was like you know those tapes you make when you're like being a DJ when you're eight, and it's like oh yeah, on a when radio you just mix it. yeah. So I remember like I've, there's there's one I've got with my brother Lawrence, and he's like going, "It's the station for you 95.2. and then it's and then five seconds later, he goes, "Mom," <laughs> and then it breaks off. But, oh. but, so for years, I never knew this single was. And then in '95. I'm on a coach on the way into London with my friend Ashley Blaker, now producer of the radio series of Little Britain and uh, comedian. Britain's only Orthodox Jewish comedian. Right. Um, And we're on our way to see this gig. And he said, uh, and I've gone, he said, there's this bloke that Time Out really love. uh, And he's telling me about the the history of this bloke called Stephen Duffy. And he says, oh, well, he had a hit in the, in the eighties with a band, with a song called kiss me. And I have this moment like going, well, the, the, the jigs, the missing jigsaw piece has finally come in that this song that I've never known who the singer was. Yeah. I'm on my way to see him live. Uh, and, and the mystery is finally solved. Oh, uh, the, uh, uh, and at the gig there was a there was a promo at the gig they were handing out a free drink endless free cans of a new drink uh that we had so we had seven each of these because they were free um without checking what they were but this is october 1995 we had seven cans of the free drink red bull that they were just 95 launching. was when red bull came out yeah, yeah and you had
2: seven we had, of them
1: because we had no idea that they were an energy drink so yeah, we basically we you know we would have happily kicked a homeless man to death on the streets of London. We were so wired by the Steve. end of it.
2: Wow, you're off your tits! You could have OD'd. Yeah. And Fucking then hell, um, Steve, it's seven one cans of, the, of Red
1: Bull, doobies at Red Inn. I didn't realise you had such a chest. I, I, I was a rock and roll animal in a yeah. very very lower middle class way. <laughs> yeah. But he's then so he's, he's one Stephen Duffy's had. There are two albums he had in his Britpop phase. One's called Duffy. And one's called uh i love my friends and both of those are absolute perlers. right i'll get on them i had a chat once to um john harris the the bloke you know the bloke have you have you got do you know wibbling rivalry yeah do you know that? oh yeah I, I bloody love wibbling rivalry i listen to that endlessly you're yeah. on about the oasis the Oasis, the no highest ever arguing. charting interview, an interview that reached number fifty-two in the in the pop charts. Yeah, and um, the interviewer interviewing them is John Harris. Oh um, right, and he was he's a brilliant music writer and just journalist in general. And I, I was chatting to him about how much I loved it. and he and he, there's a particular song of Duffy's called London Girls that he said it's like Brit Pop's Penny Lane. Yeah, right, um, right which right. I really liked. And then, but my mate, I remember a mate of going, "Oh, you only like obscure stuff. Like, who the fuck is he? He's way too obscure." And then he then goes on to write to co-write one of Robbie Williams' albums.
3: <laughs> right,
2: yeah. So I remember
1: being able to go, "Oh, I don't like obscure stuff." Look, he's it.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's fairly mainstream. That that uh, what was he called again? Who did in, in the Wibbling rivalry? Uh, John Harris. John Harris. Yeah, he didn't have to do
1: a lot of work in that interview, did he? Just no, yeah, yeah. Pretty much sat there, press record in fact Um, if you've not read it there's a book that john harris wrote called the last party brit pop blair and the demise of british rock that is it's absolutely brilliant it's one it's like you could do it in an afternoon you uh, you, it's impossible to put it it's it's just a brilliant summary of those years oh i've definitely listened absolutely terrific book
2: I mean, I definitely read that. That sounds really good. I like, yeah, that's that is exact. There's a uh, the um, uh, Creation Records film
1: coming out. Yes, it's I just watched it. Uh, you watched the, it? Yeah, the other night it was screening as part of the uh, the Glasgow Film Festival. So I, I, which you can watch online. So I paid. Oh, for... I didn't know you could watch that online. Of course, it's online. Yeah. <laughs> Why has that just dawned on me? It's a tremendously enjoyable mess. Right, it's it. I, it doesn't necess- It's not necessarily a very good film, but I really enjoyed it. The, uh, Ed Byrne plays Alistair Campbell. No way, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's. I'm not sure. I really able to watch that And they also, now. for some reason, I don't know if it's done as a dig at Noel, but the because um, obviously it recreates uh, Alan seeing them at at at, uh, at King Tut's. Yeah. And they've the um, the bloke they've got playing Noel could do with losing a few pounds oh really it's, it's like they've gone for a. it's not a fat look alike i don't want to fat shame anyone yeah but are you allowed to chubby shame i think so. I think that's acceptable he's, a, he's, a, he's a very chubby looking Noel Gallagher.
2: oh yeah Well, Noel will be absolutely chuffed about that i imagine <laughs> it's like that um did you hear about that bloke who was in the crown the bloke i haven't watched the crown my wife watched it he was the burglar the one who who um, got into oh, Michael palace. Fagan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he complained that the bloke who played him was a bit dull and not good-looking enough. It's
1: so, all right, mate, I take your part too seriously. Yeah. Jesus. Because so the, the, it's suggested that Michael Fagan, the, the thing that never gets reported is that he supposedly had a tug in front of the Queen. Ah, oh, uh, I uh, that's so true. I, I would love, given that, from what I gather of the Crown, they like going for the slightly more scandalous bits of, of royal history. I would love it if they just... Yeah, if, if, it, if it just showed him windmilling it in front of the queen,
2: <laughs> maintaining eye contact <laughs> with the corgis running for cover, um, brilliant. Hey, thanks, Steve. Have you? Uh, is there, is there uh, any musicians or albums that you'd be absolutely
1: annoyed? Um, there are. There are so many here, Rob, because there are ones I almost want to send you. This is it, it's tricky with me because you can. If you're too earnest, it yeah. puts people off. Yeah. You've got to, you know, if you kind of go, you've got to see that. People like go, oh, all right, mate, calm down. You, you, it's got to be like one way in. Yeah. So I, I did it. There was a, there's a, an album I really love. There's a, a band called Neutral Milk Hotel. They've <laughs> got one album called In the Aeroplane Over the Sea, and I mentioned it on Absolute Radio with Frank.
3: Yeah.
1: And they were all, both Frank and Emily were, were taking the piss, like going, all right, calm down, nerdy. And I've had <laughs> yeah. like ten people tweet me, sort of going. I bought that album on your recommendation and it honestly really changed my life.
2: You've you've influenced people to go and buy an album.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's gotta feel but good. It's, but it's I'm trying to find the right happen. level of like not yeah. to because I, I once you, when I tell Frank bought,
2: and Emily your hit rate. That's ten now. That's ten of
1: that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ten over a course of eight years. <laughs> so I once before we filmed the Clang series, in fact, there was one of the cameramen was wearing an in 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 the aeroplane over the sea t-shirt and i went to him and said i've only just bought that record and he said at the cameraman he went i envy you being able to hear that for the first time because yeah
2: yeah that's 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 when you say to somebody about an album they've not heard it you go that's why you make that noise you go oh yeah it's not because you think they're that good it's you're gonna get to hear that
1: for yeah, the yeah first time those albums I, I also had someone someone say to me went oh, i listened to that album on, on your recommendation it was okay yeah, that hurts, <laughs> that's, doesn't it? That's the like, killer.
2: Yeah, it's like I don't think we could ever really properly relate to each other again now. Um, do you?
1: I, I had a question for you. I'm sorry. I will let you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you, because obviously you often are doing the warm up for pointless yeah. while we're next door uh, preparing for the Russell Howard Hour. Yeah, yeah. I'm still um, not happy about that. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's quite a regular thing to come in and try and distract you while you're, uh, yeah. while you're warming up pensioners.
2: I do warm up for Pointless and uh, still haven't mentioned it yet. You write on the Russell Howard Hour with Steve Williams, another comedian. And uh, I was going to say Russell then. Yeah, he writes on it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you are in the studio next door. I was doing warm up on Pointless. So basically telling 25 pensioners to go, um, just wanting to die. But at least no one's seen you do it. <laughs> and then I look up. Hang on, Tony's coming in. Ruining an anecdote, Tony. What's <laughs> good anecdote? Come in. So yeah, you think. So I'm warming up, uh, thinking. Well, you know, making pensioners go. Ooh, but at least no one, no one's watching. No one can see it. And I look over, and you, Stevie Williams and Russell, and I think the producer, a producer yeah. of the show, was there. Yeah. And you're all waving your arms and mimicking what I'm doing. Go. <laughs>
1: yeah that felt good because i i always like it because clang were weirdly we were an answer once on um i think four people knew who we were so we weren't we weren't even
3: pointless
1: (laughs) there there was um i remember one of the one of the bonus one of the jackpot questions was it was name an album track on nevermind oh yeah and um and what i really wanted to know because i remember like trying to do it in real time and the only thing i could think of that i thought would be pointless was territorial pissings and I remember having this thing of like going how can are, you, are they allowed how do you say territorial pissings as an answer on pointless yeah no, like, I don't what, know how, you... how, how do you like do you have to sort of go territorial <clears throat> and in the end they just didn't cover it it wasn't mentioned
2: yeah that's what they would have done
1: yeah yeah but I, but I wanted to like I, I, I don't know I, I don't I've, I've met Richard Osmond very briefly I don't know well enough to go Richard do you remember like three years ago would territorial pissings have been an acceptable answer
2: yeah no he probably I don't know what would have happened there they yeah they just wouldn't have mentioned it. that's what we're at, yeah, but it would have had to be they would have had to uh maybe do asterisks or something for the yeah, just say it. territorial yeah. territorial p and then can't say that yeah, but yeah. they would have had to. I did once influence uh, a bit of information on pointless on my musical knowledge,'t know if you knew that Excellent. it was um um hang on, hang on clash song rock the casbah rock yeah, yeah. the casbah so it was uh right in partnerships and it showed or no writers and it showed the song and then you got to guess who wrote it and the answer for that was uh joe strummer and uh yeah joe strummer for rock the casbah and i would just about a year earlier i'd watched that joe strummer documentary yeah and uh talk about the the drummer yeah top topper yeah topper was off his tits on heroin that's what i remember it he was he wrote rock the casbah while waiting for them to turn up for a rehearsal so Fantastic. he wrote that song and that no one really knows that he wrote it and because i remember it because he said then he got kicked out of the band and he's on his sofa off his tits on heroin watching them on top of the pit top of the pips top of the pops (laughs) top of the pips that's somebody who checks lemons um top of the pops playing rock the casbah his song while he's on his on his sofa on on heroin so i remember saying uh so the answer was joe strummer and i remember grabbing someone and going oh oh you need to change that to the dress they just changed it to the clash right yeah yeah and uh but yeah they did a quick pickup and everything thanks to me i'm telling it because i said to them you have, you're going to you're gonna get emails from Clash fans.
1: They're not going to let that go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, I'm glad I could clear that up. Well, I like so, the idea that Top of Headon's watching it at home. Hopefully, again. Hopefully clean.
2: Yeah. yeah, he's clean going, oh, first, first top of the pops, now this. Now pointless. Now pointless.
1: What yeah. next? Watercolour challenge. <laughs> yeah.
2: But uh, thank you very much, yeah. Steve. I'm uh, going to say,
1: because obviously we've called back to lots of previous shows, because I've not mentioned Robin Hitchcock. Who is another one I could talk for a long time about, but so get Michael Legg on the on this. He was one my, of the, Michael Legg will talk much better about Robin Hitchcock than I will.
2: I was gonna get Michael Legg on. Um I was thinking just the other day I saw him and thought, Oh, he's opinionated. And he wrote a great <laughs> blog about how much he hated the new Stone Roses song once, which was amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I might get him on just read that out in a poetry kind of way. But um <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks for having
1: us. I'm sorry I've waffled on for quite. That's all right. We'll do. We'll do part two. Yeah. I haven't because I've I've not spoken to someone who's not a member of my family for like the last two fucking months.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there is that. I know. But um, this is the first time I've seen producer Paul sneak off for a wee. (laughs) 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 Yeah. 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 Cheers. Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks for having us.
0: A podcast from producer
3: Paul UK.